0: Joined with me in prayer before we read the word of God. Father, we truly want to be people that worship you. First of all, because you are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our time that we set aside. You're worthy father of a commitment that would not only be on a Sunday morning, but throughout each day of each week of each month of each year. Lord, help us that we will not stop serving you until you call us home. Lord, help that this church will be found faithful in proclaiming not only from the pulpit and from the Sunday school classrooms and from Bible studies and other small groups, but Lord, help us that in our day-to-day living that we will, we will live out the gospel of Jesus Christ that we would not be one way in this place and another when we step through the doors. God, help us to repent of sin that we have allowed to creep in our hearts and lives that have diminished our walk with you and harmed our testimony before others. Father, help us that we will surrender our hearts and minds to the study of the word of God and the discipline of, of praying to you. And, Father, free our tongues that we will bear witness that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through him. Father, in these moments ahead, as we read about Jonah and as we've studied about him for these last three weeks, Lord, remind us again of the second chances that you give all of us, especially when we become reluctant witnesses for you, And when we go in the different direction, than you want us to go in life. Father, just pray that you will bless every person. For the person that does not yet know your son is Savior. I pray, Father, that you will plant another seed in their heart that will lead them one day to bow in the presence of the Lord. And to confess and repent of sin and to trust Jesus. And I pray for we who are believers, Father, that it will not just be another Sunday. But, Lord, you will speak to our hearts. All this we ask. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. If you will, if you'll go to that next frame, Mackenzie, we have now been studying for the last six weeks about people that God gave a second chance to. Again, you've heard this every Sunday, but I just want to make mention of this, and then we're going to move forward, okay? The Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, is full of people that God gave second chances to. We've studied about Peter and the disciples in Matthew 26. We took... I think four weeks on on that passage of Scripture. This is the fourth Sunday on Jonah, the Old Testament runaway prophet. And even though we've only got through the first three verses, we're going to move on. Uh, And next week in preparation for for the service, I hope that you'll read in John chapter 4 about the woman at the well. The more I think about that story, the more it just really grips my heart about this woman that Jesus went out of his way to meet and to minister to. But let's get back to Jonah, okay? This morning, I just want to read um, Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 17, a couple of verses in chapter 2 and chapter 3, okay? So follow with me either in your Bible uh, or uh, on the screen, okay? And that first word there in verse 4, but, is so important because you see, God had called Jonah in those first three verses to go down to Nineveh and cry out against the wickedness that was there and tell them about the mercy and love of God as well as the judgment of God. But Jonah had gotten the boat. You know this. He would gotten the boat. He was going in the opposite direction. Well, in contrast to Jonah's actions and plans, this is what God did. Verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. And again, remember, we've been pointing out when they prayed to their God, it's little g. It's just a a lot of different gods that the people had back then. They cried each to his God, and they threw the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down to the inner. Inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep so the captain came and said to him what do you mean you sleeper arise call upon your god little g perhaps the god will give a thought to us that we do not perish and they said to one another come let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us so they cast lots and the lots fell upon jonah then they said tell us now there are five questions here tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us what is your occupation? Whence do you come? What is your country? And of what people are you? Here's Jonah's response in verse 9. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. Folks, again, it didn't seem like he feared the Lord, but I think Jonah was beginning to see that something's going on here, and he's going in the wrong direction from God. I fear the Lord, big L, the God, big G of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do that the sea may quiet down? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, take me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Now, folks, please underscore that. I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Jonah's rebellion against God had affected others. And folks, there's a lesson within this story. Our rebellion, our not willing to submit to the will of God can have a bad effect on those around us. Verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried. Now notice, they had been praying to God, little G, but now they cry out to who? The Lord, big L. We beseech you, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not on us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, has done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased. It's raging. Now listen, folks, these sailors have gotten converted. And here's proof in verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and listen to what they do. They make vows. They make commitments to the Lord. Remember again, Jonah would not commit himself to the Lord, but these men, after seeing what has happened, they have understood that the little G that they've been crying out to is really the big L, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic or funny. They found out who God really was. Verse 17, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse 1, and then verse 10. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Verse 10, The Lord spoke to the fish. It vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Folks, there's something very beautiful about this. God never abandoned Jonah, although Jonah abandoned God. God never went in the opposite direction of Jonah, but God was right there with him. And then in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. Last Sunday, as we were ending the message, we talked about how Jonah had gotten the wrong attitude. Jonah had gotten the wrong attitude in many ways, but one of the ways that Jonah had the wrong attitude was toward his circumstances. Jonah thought that everything was working in his favor when in reality they were working against him. Jonah decided to go to Joppa. A ship was waiting on him. Jonah had enough money to pay the fare. Jonah even went down into the ship and began to sleep. And, folks, you might want to ask the question, did Jonah think that he truly had hidden from God? But, folks, I want to point something out. Jonah is out of the will of God, and still he thinks the circumstances are working out for him. But God and his great love and providence. Now, let me say that again. God and his great love and providence for Jonah was preparing Jonah for a great fall. And, you know, sometimes you and I need to understand something. The falls that happen to us in our life, sometimes the crisis that come into our life, not always, but sometimes are brought by God to bring us back into his will. You know that old saying about you got to hit bottom before you can come back up again? Folks, Jonah has hit bottom, not only in the bottom of a ship, but soon to be in the bottom of a great fish's belly. Jonah would fall, but God would lift him back up and give Jonah a second chance. And, folks, that is God's grace. Amen? Amen? And when you and I falter and fail, guess what? God wants to give us a second chance. Now, folks, because we don't have enough time to finish, well, I hope we got enough time, but we're going to move on. But I want to just look at some very serious lessons that we learned from verses 4 through 10 in chapter 1. I'm going to point out three lessons that we find in these verses, okay? And they're going to be simple and I hope very much to the point. First of all, in verse 4, I've already mentioned this, but the Lord, but the Lord. Folks, you and I are so guilty of thinking that the main character in our lives should be me, myself, and I. But you know who the main character should be in our lives? It should be God. And you remember when we got started in this, just talking about the book of Jonah. Even though Jonah is the the name of the book, Jonah is what we would say is the main character in the book. This book is about God. Now, Jonah is a part of the book, and what happens to Jonah is very important. But folks, the main character in the book of Jonah is God. The main character in my life and in your life should be God. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. And folks, I have read this verse for many, many years, and it seems like every time I read this verse, it just grips my heart. Folks, listen to what Paul says, Galatians 2.20. If you don't have this highlighted in your Bible, you ought to. You ought to underscore it. You ought to put stars by it, or whatever notation you put that this is important for us. Listen to what Paul says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Read that next phrase. But Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, folks, I want to say something, and perhaps some of you are going to be offended by this, and especially some of the young people, perhaps. And I am not a computer person. You guys know that. And I am deliberately at this stage in my life choosing not to get really super involved in uh, in a computer. I do know how to go get the football scores. I did that this morning. I do know how to go get the weather. I do that frequently, especially during hunting season. But there's a lot of things about the computer that I just just kind of push aside. So forgive me for that. If I'm speaking out of turn, you let me know. But there's something that is beginning to worry me about the social networking is that what you call it i am so afraid that we are becoming so caught up in ourselves we don't see the world around us does that make sense and again please don't be offended i'm just making a statement for you to consider instead of being facebook it ought to be god's book that we're getting into now there's nothing wrong with you sharing what's going on in your life. I, I I'll have a problem and that's not what i'm talking about but i am talking about this attitude of getting so wrapped up in ourselves that we don't see anybody else i know i've told you this story before my second year in college uh the way our dorm was set up there were suites and there was two in one room me and frank keels one of the greatest guys i've ever known were roommate and then there was nathan Black, uh, blackwell studying for the ministry and uh, Stan Johnston. Stan was just an old red-headed country boy. And every weekend he went home because his sweetheart was back in Johnston, South Carolina. But his daddy owned the cattle farm. And, and, and I said, Stan, it was Clayton uh, was his name. And, and he loved to fish. And I remember drugs were just really getting on the scene during that time. And there was, a, there was a young man named Mark Fagan, and Mark had gotten involved with drugs, and Christians on campus were trying to witness to Mark. And I remember one Sunday night, he came into to m- my room and Frank's room, and he was just, you could tell there was something different about him. And, and he said, I just want you all to know I got saved today. I went home for the weekend, and I went to my church, and, And I heard about Jesus. I'd heard about him so many times, but I didn't know how bad I needed him until I got involved with drugs. And today I got saved. And we were just all rejoicing. We were just so happy. And Clayton comes back from being on the farm and visiting his girlfriend. And we said, Clayton, come in here. Come in here. Mark's got something to tell you. And Mark looked at him and said, Clayton, I got saved this weekend. And, and Clayton said, so what? I caught a bass this big this weekend. Do you get the point? I mean, he didn't hear what he said. He was so excited he wanted to tell about the bass that he caught that weekend that he missed the whole point. And are we as the children of God gotten so caught up in ourselves, in our lives, that we don't see the world around us that's lost? And as someone has said, dying and on the way to hell. This week, I thought about the concept of hell again. Do we really believe that as a church? Do we believe that you don't trust Jesus as your personal Savior, that your eternal destination is away from God, and the Bible describes that place as hell? Do we believe that? Would we want our children, our grandchildren, would we want our intermediate family to go to hell? I hope not. Would we want the people that we work with would we want the people that are our neighbors to wind up in hell? I hope not. Well, folks, we've got to get away from this me, myself, and I attitude, and we've got to not live but let Christ live in us and let God be the main character in our lives and be in the center of his will and get busy about his work. And this is what Jonah needed, and God's getting ready to get his attention. But, folks, there's the second lesson in this story instead of becoming a blessing to others in the verses that i read out of chapter one jonah has become a curse now again i want you to think about this you might be saying well that's put a little bit too much responsibility on the individual i don't know about that you remember we're going to put up on the screen genesis 12 1 through 3 and again we read these verses so often but folks these are monumental verses there was a world that was departing and going away from God. God wanted to raise up a nation that would be a light in a sinful world. And so to do that, God calls a man named Abraham. Listen to these verses. You've heard them so many times. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your names great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and and him who curses you I will curse. And by you all the families of the earth shall bless himself. Mackenzie, if you'll leave that on the screen for just a second. Folks, listen. It was God's intention to bless all of the world. But it was God's intention to use the nation of Israel to be the light to a sinful and lost world. God would call up men, call out men through history called prophets, and Jonah was meant in God's will to be a blessing not only to his own people, Israel. You remember as we began this study, we talked about out of Second Kings, how God had spoken through Jonah, and God had blessed the nation of Israel through Jonah. But God now wants Jonah to go to Nineveh and, and share God's word with them. And folks, listen. God has got a purpose and a plan for you and I as believers, as Christians. He's got a purpose and a plan for this church, that we would be a blessing to the nation, to the world around us, to our neighborhood. And, folks, listen. God wanted even Jonah to be a witness to these heathen and pagan sailors. And, folks, is that not God's purpose for us? Does not God want his light to shine through you and me? And in the center of God's will, we would be a blessing to all we meet. And again, folks, just think about this for just a second. And this, even in sharing this with you, it eats my lunch because I can't always say that I am a blessing to everybody else. God wants you and I to be a blessing to our spouses, our children, our grandchildren, our coworkers, our neighbors, our community, and to our church. But folks, when we are out of God's will, we can become a curse to others. And I want you to think about this for just a second. Because of Jonah's rebellion, he had endangered the people on that ship. Now, you know the story, and you know that God did not let the storm harm anyone on that ship. But, folks, there was the potential because of Jonah's rebellion to become a curse to others. And, folks, I ask you this question as I ask myself, is an unChrist-like attitude and behavior affecting those around us? If we're out of the will of God, it will affect our marriage, and it will affect our families, it will affect our churches, and even our community. And let me ask some very point-blank questions. If our children and our grandchildren grow up to be like us, Will they honor and serve Christ or dishonor Christ? that's pretty heavy, isn't it? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to say to all of us, we need to wake up. If every person in this church had the same level of commitment and obedience and service to Christ that we do, what would be going on in this church? How faithful and active would this church be How many people would be reached with the gospel if everybody was in the will of God or out of the will of God like you and me? And you see, folks, as a Christian, we need to be a blessing to others and not a curse to others. And the story of Jonah is about being a curse when we're out of the will of God to others and being a blessing when we're in the will of God. These are some hard things, folks, but they're lessons we need to learn. And there's a third lesson I want to point out this morning. Look at what Jonah lost while he was out of the will of God. I hope and pray that you'll give some thought to this, and I will too. Let me point out some things that Jonah lost while he was out of the will of God. Number one, he lost the voice of God. Back in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God spoke to Jonah directly. But beginning in verse 4, after Jonah has rebelled against God, and during his time of rebellion, God was no longer speaking to Jonah through his word, but God was speaking to Jonah through his works. I must admit, I've never seen that. This is from Warren Wearsby. And this is what he says. The sea, the wind, the rain, the thunder, the mariners, and even the great fish obey God. But Jonah's in rebellion. And I've never seen that. Everything in nature was obeying God except his servant Jonah. And is that not Ironic. And, folks, in verse 6, 8, and 10 of chapter 1, God even speaks to Jonah through heathen sailors who didn't yet know the Lord. And how sad it is when servants of God are rebuked by unbelievers. Has this ever happened to you and to me and the church? Folks, this happened to me. Has someone ever come up to you and said, if you are a Christian, why are you acting this way? Have you ever heard someone say, why is your church behaving in such a way? You see, the world that's lost might not want to come and hear the gospel, but when we're not living for Christ and when this church is not being a Christ-like church, they can see it. Have we lost the voice of God? Yes, we have preaching every Sunday. Yes, we have Sunday school. Yes, we have all these other things. But have we lost the voice of God? Is God speaking to us? And folks, God has never stopped being. If there's one characteristic of God, he is a God who speaks to his creation. Secondly, Jonah lost his spiritual energy. Listen to this. The latter part of verse 5. But Jonah had gone down into the innermost part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Jonah, out of the will of God, is sleeping during a fierce storm. And he is totally unconcerned about the safety of others. He had lost his spiritual vitality and his energy because he was out of the will of God. Folks. This was not a health issue. This was a heart issue. Have you and I lost our spiritual energy and vitality? Have we? Folks, again, it's going to sound like I'm being a sarcastic Southern Baptist preacher this morning. But what is the most exciting time here at church? (laughs) 9.30, if I get finished by then. 10.45? 12 o'clock is the most exciting time when we get to go out the door and go home. And again, please, y'all, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck this morning. It burdens me that perhaps for many churches, we could just be described as sleepy little Baptist churches because we have no spiritual energy or vitality at all. Folks, let me read Psalms 32 verses 3 and 4. They'll be on the screen. David David is saying this after his relationship with Bathsheba, the murder of her husband, and his rebellion and lying. Listen to what he says, and apply this to Jonah being asleep in the belly of the ship. When I declared not my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as the heat of summer. Now, how many of us during these really hot summer days have just felt exhausted all the time? And I would say I'm one of those. The summer just absolutely whooped me this year, especially when it gets over 100 degrees. But you know what David is saying right here? He is saying, look at verse 3, when I declared not my sin." You know, one of the reasons we don't have any spiritual energy and vitality is because of our personal sins that we're just absolutely not willing to give up. I love what David says. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. God's hand is going to be upon us when we're out of his will. My strength, he said, was dried up as the heat of summer. Folks, and I'm saying this, I'm preaching this to me if we don't have spiritual energy and passion and power it might be because we have lost our desire to grow in our faith it might be because we have lost our desire to serve others in Jesus name and we have lost our desire to serve and worship the living God that little word at the end see that word Selah for a long time I thought that was a woman's name you're supposed to laugh, all right? But you know what it means? Think about this. Meditate on this. David is saying, do some thinking on this. This is how it affected me. Folks, there's two more things that David lost. Let me run through them quickly, okay? The third thing, David—excuse uh, me Jonah lost his power in prayer. When we're out of the will of God, asleep like Jonah... We're going to lose our power in prayer. The sailors are calling on their pagan gods in verse 5 and 6. And the only man on board who at that time knew the true and living God and could pray to him is asleep. And again, that kind of pictures our world, doesn't it? Our world is filled with people who are non-believers, who are crying out to all of the different pagan gods, and we as the church of Jesus Christ have a direct line to the Son of God. Are we praying to him? And you remember it took Jonah how long before he began to pray? Three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Let me read to you Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. Look at this. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Folks, Jonah, it took him three days and three nights before he would confess his sin and rebellion and resubmit himself to God's will and determined to obey God, something that he was not willing to do in chapter 1. And if we have lost our power in prayer, is it because... Number one, we haven't yet confessed personal sins. We're unwilling to give up. Number two, we aren't wholeheartedly submitted to God. And number three, we aren't in obedience to God. You see, again, remember, he's headed to Tarshish when God wants him in Nineveh. But, folks, here again is the beauty of this entire story. In chapter 2, God gives Jonah... A second chance let me read these verses and I'll close okay they're gonna be on the overhead this is chapter 2 and just listen then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish saying I call to thee Lord out of my distress and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol Sheol was the place of death that was a Hebrew word that spoke of the place the abode of the dead because he thought he was dead. I mean, you get swallowed by a great fish and you're in the belly of that fish. What do you think? It's over. But he says, I cried out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and thou didst hear my voice. For thou didst For thou didst cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood was round about me. All thy ways and thy billows passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out from thy presence. Folks, would you notice something right here? I am cast out. Listen to this. Jonah says, I am cast out from thy presence. Isn't that what he wanted? Doesn't it say three times in chapter 1 he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord? Isn't that what Jonah ultimately wanted until he got there? And sometimes isn't that true of you and I as Christians? We want God to leave us alone until we find out what we do to ourselves without him. Then I said, I am cast out from thy presence. How shall I again look upon thy holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep was round about me. weeds were wrapped around my head. That fish had been eating weeds. You get the picture? At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet thou didst bring up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to thee in thy holy temple. I wonder how far it was from a fish's belly to the temple of God, but his prayer went straight to it. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their true loyalty, but I with the voice of thanksgiving. And folks, notice this. As this story begins to unfold and wind down and he makes a new commitment to God, it is with what? Thanksgiving. The voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. What I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. I love this. And the Lord spoke, To the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Folks, if you haven't read these four chapters, these 48 verses, please read them. It's a powerful, powerful story about being out of the will of God and being back in the will of God. Where are we at this morning? We might not be in the belly of a fish, but are we out of God's will? Thank God he gives us a second chance. This morning, do you need to trust Christ as your personal Savior? You've heard the gospel all your life, but have you met him? Have you come to know that he is the big L, not the little G? He is the Lord and the Savior. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the story of Jonah. And what you did in and through his life, we thank you that it reveals much about us and his life. That so often, instead of being in your will, we go in an opposite direction. But, oh, God, I thank you for second chances. And I just pray, Lord, this morning that if there are those here, including myself, who need a second chance, that you'll give us that. I pray for those that have not yet trusted Christ to save you, Lord, that you'll lead them to a personal relationship with yourself. Help them to know it's not about religion and it's not about joining a church. It is about having a relationship with the living Lord. And I pray for we who are your children. Lord, thank you that when we are headed to to Tarshish, you're even there with us. Lord, draw us back to yourself. Place us back in the center of your will May you be the main character of our lives. And Father, I pray for our church. May we not be a sleepy little Baptist church that's lost its spiritual power and vitality, but Lord, set us on fire to do the work of your kingdom. And may these be more than words. May it become a reality. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen.